Yo, what's up? Welcome back to the What A Life podcast. This is episode 002. Yo, this this episode was epic. I had an excellent conversation with the stationary astronaut. Make sure to go follow the man on Instagram. He's got, dude, just a great fucking guy. And I fed so much off his energy, like, before the conversation even just on my way to go see him in rochester minnesota uh before the conversation afterwards i'm still like living off that energy now so yo just just check this out we're just gonna roll right into it Cheers, right from the jump. Cheers, brother. Cheers to you. I'm not seeing these levels jump. We need to turn that biddy up a little bit. Yeah. We need to turn that up a little bit. I mean, you can always amp it up on post, but I want to make sure we're golden right from the jump. Perfect from the start. Hello, hello, hello. There we go. Now we're jumping. Now we're up. Okay, beautiful. Um, Justin, you came and visited me down in the Rock Town. Um, cheers once again. Cheers, brother. I appreciate you coming down. I mean, shit, I'm not trying to run your show, but just thanks Dude, for coming I, down, bro. I appreciate you having me out. We just met randomly at Lincoln Drink. I followed Stationary Astronaut a little bit, and uh, I was just like, what's up? Like, hit you up on Instagram afterwards, and I was like, I want to meet you, get to know you a little bit, whatever. And you were like, yeah, dude, end of the month. And I was like, all right, let's lock in a date. And here I am. So that's pretty fucking tight. Well, I've got to hand it to you because um, not many people are willing to open up their first time that they meet somebody um, in regards to pending charges, shit like that. Because we were talking about my story and how I got fucking knocked off um, because I was, you know, I was moving a healthy load when I was a senior in high school, you know, and um, I, I was a double felon before before my first fall out of high school i was a felon by the time i was done with high school um the final spring caught my first charge and then but at that time i kind of like after that because i got robbed at gunpoint for quite a bit and so i kind of scaled back a little bit went and got a job that summer an actual big boy job and then um couldn't escape the lifestyle and I uh, went and caught another charge that fall while I was already fighting the first charge. So then it just turned into this thing where I was forced to take deals because I was not guilty of the first go around, but I was guilty of the second go around. So it was like, fuck, I got to compartmentalize these motherfuckers right. and, and really just take it on the, on the chin. And that's the, the beauty of like being young 
and still like striving forward and actually doing things, having jobs, things like that. Because that's where judges will kind of throw you a bone in regards to whether it's a stay of adjudication. They'll drop things. Um, they will um, make, you know, after you get done with your felony probation, they'll drop drop charges down to misdemeanors, which is always good because they do want to save your future if you are going to be a young cat and still try to get your shit together. Right. Not be a lost cause. That's You made one point, I think, that's where, like, people get fucked is when they make deals. Mm-hmm. You know? It's like... Especially in specific situations, if you can't afford like a legitimate attorney and mm-hmm. you're stuck using a public pretender mm-hmm. and you gotta, like, their job, their caseload is just overloaded and their job is just to basically get you the best deal they can. They're yeah. not there to fight any cases. Yeah. And I've just seen so many people get screwed, even on charges that they weren't guilty of or just getting like maximum penalties, mm-hmm. or not maximum, but like getting hefty penalties on like low level drug offenses mm-hmm. that like, shouldn't be penalized by jail time yep. most of the time anyhow um that's uh i don't know that's interesting but you said like uh you haven't met many people that like open up about that kind of thing and it's like i'm that's like my goal is just to like be real and kind of have like real conversations because i'm just so sick of like fake back and forth like mm-hmm. it's fucking it's cloudy outside today isn't it yep. like yeah no shit it's cloudy we're experiencing the same thing but yep. like how's your life you know mm-hmm. like let's let's grow let's actually have those types of conversations where we can like actually share and provide value with mm-hmm. one another and i and it's the quickest way to get there is just like by being open mm-hmm. like off the rip mm-hmm. you know yeah when you have someone like yourself who is willing to go out of their way and get out of their comfort zone to come to our lincoln drink event goes out of their way to bring their own microphones their own setup down to my house an hour away that's that's showing me commitment so i owe it to you to be real um when people call me and they pay me for consulting services i charge phone conversations 75 dollars an hour in person 125 an hour for me to tell you how to run an event tell you how to book somebody tell you how to do something and that's where um when people are willing to take the leap i gotta be as transparent as possible i owe it to you to be completely who the fuck I am because I'm not gonna I dude it grosses me out when motherfuckers our age talk about the weather what are you doing bro there's so much more going on how many days have we experienced how many days of sunlight have we experienced how many days of rainfall have we experienced we live in the goddamn tundra we've experienced four seasons a year dog for our entire existence I think we owe it to ourselves to get real with one another and that's what's being lost nowadays is no one wants to get real everyone wants to live this surface lifestyle where everything is cool Instagram followings no gotta be fucking fake as hell guess what man the realness is what shines in my world. When people are down to get down to the nitty gritty, man, let it let it hang. Especially that's why we're we're all talking about mental health so heavy right now. Because let's be honest, man, we all have some form of fucking mental health disorder, whether it be anxiety, which is uh, basically ridden our society right now, some way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. And then you have hardcore depression. You have seasonal depression. Um, you have PTSD. Go down the list, dude. You have overstressed lifestyles. Major lack of fulfillment and purpose. In Absolutely. Too. And I think to me, that's like what drives like the whole thing. Like, mm-hmm. I kind of opened up to you a little bit about like my addiction and whatnot. Like mm-hmm. I'm re- recovering off of heroin still. I got almost five years coming up off of that shit. And it's like for me, though, in the time like I was using because I didn't want to feel any of the feelings that I was mm-hmm. feeling or experiencing specifically stemming from 
um, that lack of purpose, mm-hmm. lack of fulfill- fulfillment. There was absolutely nothing driving me. There mm-hmm. was nothing that I was working towards, nothing that excited me, um, just nothing that fulfilled me. Mm-hmm. And I was just like completely alone in that experience. And then when I tried heroin after like feeling like depressed for the first time in my life, I was hooked immediately. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like the chemical hooks, the drug that sucked me in. It was the, it was the fact that I all of a sudden realized I didn't have to feel any of that mm-hmm. at all. Yeah. Uh, a heroin hug is sometimes better than a mother's hug. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, shit. It, it's the kind of warmth that uh, mama could never provide. No. You know? And that's kind of why I've always um, dabbled in something in regards to I used to blanket emotions using marijuana, using alcohol, using... Um, not so uh, ecstasy was ran rampant in our crowd for a while. We were flipping jars and shit like that. But that was just on the side. It was our little party get down um, where really we'd roll in with a jar and we'd have a party with 50 people in a fucking house. And it would be we'd go till six in the morning. And it was just awesome. Friday, Saturday. Then it's back to reality come Monday. Mm-hmm. Um, you'd recover on Sunday. So those were our chemical hugs. But at the same time, like. I lost my girlfriend to heroin. You know what I'm saying? I just told the story on today's podcast um, when I had this band called Under the Pavilion on uh, about how I really found out the real metaphor of Jesus Christ in the back pew at her funeral after we lost her. And I'll never forget um, her and I were dating and uh, she uh, took her like two months of us dating to tell me that she still lived with her ex-boyfriend because they fucking had a using relationship. He was still using. She was getting off. And then I told her, I was like, Rachel, I was like, you got to get your shit together. I love you. And I want to make this work. But And we were friends for like a decade before this. So like we were doing it the right way in a nutshell, being friends first. Uh, but she was on the shit and she was off it at the time. And then she hit me up the night she moved in with her mom. She's like, okay, I'm ready to make this work. She was dedicated. She spent the last, you know, the last two, three months getting her shit together, getting out of that, uh, that fucking toxic living situation, got with their mom. And then she hits me up on a new cell phone, everything. And then we kept making it work. And then three days later, that Friday, I'll never forget, bro. I get a call from my friend Leah and she's like, Rachel's dead. I was like, what? What? Mind you, I just put this girl on the back burner and then brought her back into my life three days prior, willing to make this work. Mm-hmm. And I was always wondering, like, she's always sleeping at my mom's house because I had shoulder surgery earlier that year. So I was living at my mom's and um, it was just always a weird situation. And it was something I had never dealt with someone who did heroin before because my crowd didn't do it. And it just turned into this fucking spectacle because then it really kind of blew up her mom's putting up her mom adopted two highways and put so every day when i'm going to the twin cities and coming back i'm seeing adopted highway rachel schlingman you know what i'm saying and and it was like it was like picture just a wrench on your heart every Every fucking day and it was something that i had to go to the jungle to solve this right but I'll never forget when I was in church that day at her funeral. We've all seen that uh, movie Zeitgeist. I don't know if you've ever seen it. It's a documentary. Okay. And uh, Peter Joseph talks about how Jesus is a metaphor for the sun, S-U-N. And he goes into the astrology behind it all and stuff. 
but it made so much sense in regards to this is the blood of Christ, which is the sun grows those grapes, which get squeezed into wine. This is the body of Christ. The sun grows that wheat that gets baked into bread, if that makes sense. Yeah. And then all these other correlations. And I took a step back. I was like, dude, life is just one big metaphor. It's what we make of it because there's two sides to a situation the yin and the yang you can make light of a situation you can grow like you're a professional now you are um you are are grinding in the professional realm or you can go the other way where you're shitting yourself in the skyway of the target center mm -hmm. because you're smacked out there's two ways and that's the same thing with how we look at blessings like bread food in our belly like wine on a sunday and our day to unwind things like that there's ways to go with it and that's with us being creatures of habit you can have an eating disorder or you can eat mindfully you can be an alcoholic or you can drink to have beer cheers with double d's you know what i'm saying yeah and nowadays i'm realizing as a um as a young father i am realizing as i watch my seed grow and help her grow i'm realizing it is up to me to instill the right habits in my daughter's life from the jump definitely you get my drift definitely you so through that like you made me think so many different things mm -hmm. but like first off through my addiction i was fortunate enough i've never lost anyone like incredibly close to me <sighs> you're lucky to to addiction i i'm incredibly lucky i've known people that have passed like been um almost semi-acquainted to but i wouldn't even call it that it was more like i knew of them maybe met them in passing yeah so that i can't imagine that feeling especially as you said it kind of became a spectacle and it's something that you see regular on a regular mm -hmm. basis and you're constantly reminded of it yeah because the following year i had my boy fucking hanging himself in his uh girlfriend's um closet just because he was super drunk and he wouldn't have done it if he was in the right mind but that was my homie who like we were popping pills with, we were fucking getting crazy with, we were doing reckless stuff with, just living way too fast. And then he's a freshman in, in uh, he's a freshman in college and offs himself. And that's something where the week before our Gary Vee event last year, my other boy freaking blew his brains out, you know, like this is, and he was always doing cocaine and he was, you know, but he's a professional, he's fucking real estate agent. Mm -hmm. He was also our, the, this city's, this booming metropolis's favorite bartender. And imagine what that does to someone's spirits. Mm -hmm. You got your favorite bartender. Everyone's go-to guy offs himself because he was so fucking sad because chemicals and his neurotransmitters being out of fucking whack and just everything was compounded to the point you've got a 30 year old grown-ass male blowing his fucking brains out because he can't handle it anymore and that tells me we're not having the right conversations so we were talking we got this jump started in mm -hmm. regards to having the real conversations not talking about the fucking weather if that doesn't point it out clear as day pun intended i don't know what does right get my drift definitely 100%. and we owe it to ourselves dude i knew right away like when you opened up to me and you were just like I'm not going to lie. You were just low-key being a real motherfucker. You know, that's where I knew I'm going to give this dude the time of day because I'm not going to lie. I 90% of my days are just saying fucking no to things. You get my drift? Yeah. Um, because I'm just so goddamn busy and I don't like to use that as a crutch, but that's, that's my reality, that's reality. you know? 
And so like someone who is willing to sacrifice their time, their gas, their everything, go down the list to come down and hear me talk. That's where I owe it to you to be real. And that's the way we save our friends is because you might not be down in the dumps today. You got sentencing in a week. But the thing is, is that's a dark, lonely time. Mm-hmm. And I know you know that mm-hmm. when you're dude, when you're facing sentencing, unless someone's really been in that situation, bro, it is the loneliest motherfucking time ever. You're going to look behind you at court, maybe see, have four people there, mm-hmm. give or take. I don't fucking know. But um, you're not going to have a lot of people there. No. And that's just the reality of it. And it's something that unless you've ever been in that situation, words can't describe how lonely it is sitting in a, say you do have to do 30 days or some shit. Um, you'll do 20 of them. And those times, I'm not going to lie. I miss them sometimes. I've done over, I think it was uh, 260 days total. No, it was over a year. It was three. I've done over a year. I've done like 14 months or some shit spread out total. Mm-hmm um throughout my time That's and so much time though and yeah but it was like f- uh four months three months um month and a half month and a half month two months you know what i'm saying yeah it just added up it was it was over a year though and because i remember that when i wanted to execute towards the end i was so sick of felony probation them babysitting me this is nine years in might i add so i was just like god damn what's it gonna take to execute and then they're like well you'll have to go do like another 18 months. Yeah, because it was three years. So 14 and 18, I believe. That's not, no. It was a lot. It was a lot. But I had to go do more than what I already had put in. And I was surprised because I didn't know I had already put in that much time. And it's like, God damn, I fucked up a lot. So what what about those times do you miss specifically? Is ah, it the, the solitude? Or? Yes, the solitude. The being able to just get reading done and not have to be stressed out about the following morning having to go do A, B, C, and D. You get my drift? Yeah. Where it's just, I got no worries. Yeah, I got worries out there, but right now, no, I'm forced to be in the moment. You have nowhere to be. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a sensory deprivation tank. In but, a nutshell, yeah. <laughs> but it's a it's a human zoo yep. in, in reality. Yeah, where you got to deal, because one thing you realize is the amount, Mingus, get out of here. My cat's being a butthead. Um, the one thing you realize is what recidivism really looks like. You see all these motherfuckers who are lifetime criminals and it's like, oh my God, thank God the system got them because him, 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 and him do not belong on the outside. Mm -hmm. They're too immature to even hold a job, pay child support, not get a DUI, not get in a fight because they can't play a game of spades without arguing with three motherfuckers. You know, and they're annoying as hell. They think their ego's all out of whack. They think they're the shit. And it's like, meanwhile... I'm just posted up. I'll come down. I'll eat. I'll play some cards with some folks. I'll play some cribbage. I'll hear some jokes. I'll get a book from this guy or this guy. Fuck. One dude put me on John Sanford. Um, another dude put me on DMT or Spirit Molecule. Two books, the Prey novels, and um, and then DMT or Spirit Molecule shape shifted my fucking life. Definitely. Um, and those are I learned I learned about those uh, books. Um, Rick Strassman and obviously John Sanford, who's from Minnesota. I learned about those authors in the in the joint, you know, and that's where I wouldn't have ever had that had I not experienced going through the the freaking trials of of um, the headaches of the ten minute phone calls. I've heard the I've, tears behind glass and that bullshit. I've heard so jail is interesting because like 
I've never been as down as I have been when I'm in jail. Uh huh. But I've heard this on multiple occasions of people that have done like five, ten, fifteen years and came out more positive. Yep. As they they're like, you can go in and you can snowball negatively or you can snowball positively Mm -hmm. it's just up to you on how you use your time while you're in prison you have to understand that you're there for a reason and it might Mm -hmm. be fucked up because the laws are fucked up Mm -hmm. but like you're there for a reason you find yourself there because you didn't abide by the 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 law and the the law of the land yeah and and people i don't know i hate jail but what you're saying is is like might help me if Mm -hmm. i end up having to do time because i'll be like shit i'm here um, you said, so like when you were locked up, you said like books, like have helped shaped your, your current reality. Mm-hmm. And that's interesting too. Cause I can relate to that. Cause the first time the longest I've done in jail was like 16 days. And when I was there, I read the secret for the first time. Oh yeah. Yeah. And James was, Arthur Ray coming back on my podcast next Tuesday. Uh, hell yeah. He's one of the co-writers. Epic. Okay. Yeah. Actually, uh, that's the book my mom and my aunt gave me, uh, before I went in to do my first ever bid. Um, I had a 30-day bid. They gave me The Secret, and it, sorry to cut you off, no, but you're good. it's a very important book, and as woo-woo as it sounds, positive reinforcement, um, attracting what you put out into the universe, mm-hmm. let's be fucking honest, dude. It's absolutely true, and as you get older, you realize it. You bring about what you think about, Yeah, you know, and you are who you surround yourself with, Fuck yeah. and those are, the, those are the ideas that that book opened my eyes to. And it was shortly after that, I found myself getting clean. You know, I had Mm -hmm. never came on to those ideas before in my past experience. And now I'm all of a sudden realizing like, oh, my pessimistic attitude is what's creating this shitty reality for myself. Mm -hmm. When I I can simply just decide to see the beauty in this cloudy day or the beauty in a a shit situation and, and just be positive about it. And I was like, whoa, like totally just like mind altering like a series of events that got me off dope but that was like the the beginning of it for me because when i was in there that whole time i was like just couldn't wait to get out and get high again Mm -hmm. i was like oh they're gonna send me to treatment like i'm not even gonna catch any charges like they're just gonna drop it like i'll go to treatment do my time then Mm -hmm. i'll be back on the street right and it was the first it was like the 10th time i found myself in treatment and for the first time i was like there ready to like actually take in and be Mm -hmm. open-minded to what they're trying to teach me and show me and it's like I've learned all this before, but it's the first time where I can actually take it and apply it to myself. And that, like, that's what that book and that jail time did for me specifically. So the depression that you face um, during the process, let's break it down for people. Okay, so you get arrested, right? You're not charged right away. Now, there are charges written down on a piece of paper. It's up to the state to decide to charge you. First things first, never get um, picked up on a Thursday because then you're doing an extra long weekend. Friday, you're just going till Monday. Thursday, you go till Monday. And that's when you see your judge because they have to put you in front of a judge within 72 hours. And some some charges, specific charges, they have to charge you within 72 hours, like homicide and things like that. They can wait a little longer. They just have to put you in front of a judge before 72 hours. So throughout this process, say you get like a second degree something, you are so fucking, you're stressed to the gill because your phone is gone, your numbers are gone, you can't get a hold of anybody, Um, some people might know you are, you're relying on your best friend to be telling your mom or whatever that may be, you might have a girl on the outs, you're stressing that shit, so you're facing this stuff, and then you go in front of the judge, they hit you with a high bail, 
and it's a it's a bail where say it's fifty thousand dollars you have to if you get go through a bail bondsman which is typically what everyone has to do um you have to pay 10 percent of that so they'll put that up some of them will work with you and you can pay them 50 percent of that 10 percent, whatever that may be but let's call it five thousand dollars most people aren't pulling five grand out of their butt on a sporadic charge you weren't expecting to get so you're dealing with all this so Typically, unless you come from a rich kid family, you're not getting your bail put up right away. So, because a lot of times people have to go through to a second hearing like a month later to get their bail reduced, if it is just a second degree something, not like a hardcore felony or something, typically they stick with the script. If you get a felony where it's like, no, this is what it is, bitch, what are you going to do? You might as well do your time because you're going to end up doing your time regardless. So, you might as well get some time served under your belt. What that means is, say you get arrested, you go you go do six weeks before your second hearing that's where you got six weeks under your belt which always helps when you're facing a felony so that's why i did i think one time i did like four months just i fucking wrote it out you know what i'm saying yeah so then once you start getting once you get sentenced well you go through this process and then you um, work your way towards sentencing and that's if like you take a plea agreement or whatever where you're not gonna plead not guilty and fight it because typically you'll plead not guilty first and then your attorney or your public pretender will work out a deal with the state and then you come to an agreement where you take a plea deal which is you pleading guilty they give you time served mm-hmm. and then they put some probation over your head this is all stuff that no you never fathom it when you're in that moment your first second day in jail you're just stressed to the gill i could never eat my first couple days in jail where i'm just posted up sleeping away my time in my cell leave me the fuck alone you pray to god you get a lower bunk you know what i'm saying my first days in jail are always just on the phone yep for 48 hours probably the first two days just like running up cards anyone put any money on my books or if anyone set up that prepaid account so they can answer the phone for me and like a lot of times especially when i was using like i have gotten a call from nick (laughs) and a lot of times when i was using it was just like i had screwed over so many of my relationships Uh and people knew for a fact i wasn't gonna be changing my ways like that's good right yeah yeah people knew that i wasn't gonna be changing my ways so they were they were not like on the ball ready to help me out, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden I'm pissed off because I think that people should be there to get me out yeah, yeah, yeah. of the situation that I got myself in. And it's just like a whole conundrum of feelings and and just not knowing what to do. I have so much out of your control. The conversations of motherfuckers who are who are jailhouse. Um, jailhouse uh, attorneys or whatever they call themselves where it's like it's typically an OG black dude who's like he's able to like you give him a bag of Cheetos and he's going to give you all the goods he's going to tell you exactly what the fuck's going to happen and this is when you're just a young cat you know mm-hmm. and just ignorant you know and I got these guys where they're like oh no don't worry you're going to be fine then it was my second charges they're like oh shit all right it's gonna be a different story for you and when they're telling you that before you've even seen the judge the first time that's where it's like fuck they start going down your felony points Mm -hmm. and you're like oh no i might really have to go do a few years and so all this is playing its role but then this thing starts happening where i always knew from my first go around with the law go get letters from people Mm -hmm. go get letters from people in the community who believe in you luckily i was always a dude who was still i'm a perfect example of a dude who will take three steps forward 
Because of self-sabotagement, I'll take two steps back, three steps forward, two steps back. Yeah, I keep making steady gains, but they're not those surmountable gains if I would quit taking those two steps back. Mm -hmm. So luckily, I still had people in my corner who would write letters for me because they just knew, oh, fuck, he fucked up again, (laughs) you know, and and it it was like that through my early 20s. Um, where it was like, God damn it, it was expected. The 15 times I was arrested between the age of 18 or 16 and 23, because I did catch an initial assault charge when I was fucking a young buck, had to go beat a dude's ass who was fucking my boy's girl, you know, with my boy. Right. You know what I'm saying? Got to go show this guy right. out of fucking ego. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. arrogance. So I was always just like doing this shit all the while, like putting on a face. Doing this shit, putting on a face. And then I got to the point where enough was enough. Sobered up for four and a half years. Got my shit together. Got off papers. Grew into a fucking, an actual man. And then that's where like these promises started taking place in my life. Because I was putting the best foot forward all the time. Making the right moves. And then it was like um, you start surrounding yourself with nothing but positivity. Because... One thing that fucks you up in jail is all the negativity around you because there's this thing when I would I would challenge anyone to just go seclude yourself for six weeks and watch what happens. There's this momentum that gets built in your actions where it's like, oh, my gosh, because, you know, they say 28 days to um, form a new habit. That's what happens in this six weeks, two months, three months, where it's like, holy shit, you start working off your time working STS, which is sentenced to serve. So say you got to go do three months. You do, um, that's only two, you do two thirds in the state of Minnesota with, cause that last month is good time. So you do two months and then you do sentence to serve after your first week, then Dude, you start working off that time, so you're just each day you're out out there picking up garbage or um, building shit. It's like the biggest thing is just like expending energy. Yep. You're you doubling know? up, you're dude. Trying, yeah, you come back hungry. You uh, you got some money on your books. You get some grub in you. Read your book. You crack some jokes. Read your book, and it's like while those motherfuckers are over there braiding each other's hair and fucking watching uh, uh the newest edition of Cops. You're out there fucking getting your time under your belt mm-hmm. and actually putting your best foot forward. Shit, when I got out of jail, my last time, they violated me one more time for smoking weed while on probation. Um, they, Because uh, uh, mind you, I wasn't sober for four and a half years. I didn't right. drink for four and a half years. Okay. Um, and uh, so I, I got violated one last time. Came out. I had so much momentum. I went and dug a garden. I went and got my dog who just turned six on on Saturday. Like I went and just put the right foot forward. Got my girl who's now my wife who I now have a child with. Our our two anniversaries coming up. And it's like these things just start happening in your, in your life because mainly you start getting rid of the fucking naysayers, the Debbie Downers, the motherfuckers we call our brothers who are doing nothing but making excuses Doing the same old bullshit, running in circles, revolving door, same issues with the same girl that they're afraid to get rid of or whatever Mm -hmm. that may be. Those are the motherfuckers. They might not say some slick shit to you, but no matter what, long term, they hold you back. Mm -hmm. That's why we do Lincoln Drink. We bring motherfuckers from all over, different walks of life in the creative realm, and we are a new family, if that makes sense. It's all us, you know? Fuck, the ones who didn't come missed out, and they aren't in the long-term picture, in a nutshell. So, dude, you just shared so much wisdom there. 
Yeah. This is so, what I do. Like, I got so much out of that because, <laughs> well, first off, like, you shared that point of, like, self-sabotage in, like, your early 20s. Like, I'm self-sabotaging in my early 20s. Like, yeah. that's just, like, some momentum for me to be like, all right, like, you're aware of it, but, like, get the fuck over it, yeah. dude. You know, like, quit. Because, and just my last conversation that I put out uh, for the podcast or whatever was was specifically just about, like, decision-making. And it's like, if you could go through life just, like, answering as if it was a test on, like, mm-hmm. a questionnaire, like, multiple choice questionnaire. And if you could go through life and make decisions based on if it was presented to you, like, in a multiple choice, mm-hmm. like, you would probably make the right decision on a piece of paper every single time. True story. But why is it so difficult to make those decisions, like, in real life, like, when you're trying to, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. like should I should I go have this beer when I need gas? Yep. You know, like, no, probably not. Yeah. You know, like, that kind of shit. My biggest problem is um, I wake up in the morning, right? And I've got... Four things dialed in that I have to have done by, say, 10 a.m. A couple of them are emails. Um, other ones are uh, setting this up or completing this fucking like, business plan we got going on or our 501c3. I'm president of two 501c4s. Go down the fucking list. Always things to do, right? Mm-hmm. And then uh, I'll be in the shower, say, at 745. I'll... Tack on two more things that I got to do, then I forget one of them and it fucking eats me alive. And that's where I fuck myself over is I tack on so much shit onto my plate. And then if I forget something, I kick myself for it because it's like, God damn, Nick, you are so highly productive. But at the same time, you are kind of adding on so much to your life that doesn't necessarily need to be there. And that is a realm you have to be very careful with because to avoid self-sabotagery, we decide to be uber proactive, uber go-gettedness. We want to just fulfill, 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 grind, grind, grind. And that's why I bring up that six-week thing in regards to people taking a step back. And this is actually something I thought of while I was in the shower today. I always have these shower epiphanies, I call them. Imagine us... And how reliant we are to that cable going into that, going into that power source. You're an electrician. We rely on power source so much. It's we're enslaved to it. We couldn't go a day without those things. Not without them, but without powering them. Mm -hmm. If we don't power that thing, we're fucked. Mm -hmm. That's the long and the short of it. Now, with us being tapped in all the time... I think there comes a time some uh, Jewish people, Hasidic Jews, do um, Sabbath where they cut off Friday sunset to to Saturday sunset. They call it Sabbath where they snip off. They they cut themselves off. And I just did it over this past weekend for Memorial Day weekend. Just snip myself off, went to the valley where I get no service, and I had nothing but a phone call yesterday with two partners at 4 p.m., so I was free and it was so freeing Yeah, that cutoff that we talk about being in jail where the worst thing about jail is having a girlfriend. You you should not have a girlfriend going into jail. It's not that she's going to fuck around on you. Um, it's that your heart is living outside those walls and it eats you alive. There's nothing better than not having any thing tying you down on the outs and that's kind of why i stress the snip snip rule once a once a week i used to do this thing called off the grid august 
where every August for three straight years, um, I would not, I would only answer work emails. I wouldn't um, use social media, no social media at all, none of that bullshit. Um, we would have our fantasy football draft the end of, or the first week of September. So just before the season started, so that would give me time to... You had plenty of time to study. I had plenty of time. So like it was, I basically would just get off the grid and I was living in the valley. It was me and bald eagles and my dog and then work, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was something about it. I, I considered it like a spiritual calibration, mm-hmm. recalibration. So the final two years, I would go down to the Amazon jungle um, for a week and a half. And then I'd go really get my chakra system realigned and and come back after drinking um, boatloads of ayahuasca. Mm -hmm. Then I'd come back and I would just be like this fucking vessel that was not going to be stopped. And I still am that, granted, because I still partake. But at the same time, I do it in a different way, if that makes sense, where it's like I kind of get um, my rocks off in regards to people not being able to get a hold of me sometimes. Where it's like some people, like a, say a Kardashian, they might freak the fuck out. Dude, you can't even phase me. It doesn't even matter. <laughs> like if you can't get a hold of me, that's a blessing in my life. That was the the highlight of my this last summer. <clears throat> me and my buddy went we went canoed down the St. Croix. Yeah. We went camping. Uh I heard you use this term in one of your podcasts, but we ate a heroic dose of mushrooms. Oh fuck yeah. Yeah, hell yeah. And the whole intention was just that that exact thing was just to cut off. I'm like, I'm turning my phone off. I don't want to use it. I talk to way too many people in a day. Most yep. messages I don't even respond to. It's like, I don't need it, you know? Yep. And I, I eat these mushrooms. I'm like, oh, my God, like, I'm more myself. Look at this. We're surrounded yep. by nothing but the world, you know, yep. getting getting more in touch with, like, that Mother Gaia yep. and, like, that, that, that like... I don't know, just that, re- just like reality. The true sense. source. The true source. Because we ain't shit. All we are is a piece of her. Mm-hmm. And there's this thing called our frontal cortex that gets in the way in the in this freaking fast-paced world we live in. So when you're lucky and blessed enough to get away like that and uh, eat a heroic dose and just earth, surfing on the earth, you know, like, man, that's, uh, that's beautiful. Earth. Yeah, just that. earthing it, you know? Yeah, like no doubt. I'm like in desperate need for that like right now in my life i feel really like, yeah might have to fly you off fuck i don't know if you're ready for this you did you eat a few hours ago yeah yeah you can't we got you gotta you gotta be totally I had a fucking, burger right before i left yeah yeah you gotta be totally fucking ready to go but i think we'll uh we'll tap you in uh maybe after because they're not gonna send you away if you have to go do any time yeah we'll tap you in uh right after your sentencing um when you know like what you got to go do, we'll yeah. tap you in. That way you can go in with some momentum. Definitely. Yeah, because I, I've become a facilitator. For, I was gonna, that's something I wanted to talk about was because that I was going to ask you about specifically because mm-hmm. you kind of alluded to it yeah. the first time we talked. So what what is that? Um, okay, so I've become a facilitator for the Sonoran Toad, um, which is a, uh, um, a um, substance that comes out of their glands. Uh, they have six glands, three on each side of their body and their head and um they uh one of them is actually on their back leg um and it produces uh, the purest form of 5-MeO DMT known to man um and no toads are injured in this process you actually um secrete one of the top glands on the left side and one of the the bottom gland on the right side and you go 
polar opposite with them. That way they can still defend themselves because these glands are self-defense mechanisms mm -hmm. on their body. So you milk them and you, they get released and then they replenish themselves over, you know, a few month period. And um, it's really cool because um, there are people who like smoke pharmaceutical DMT and you might get to a place. But the thing is, is no matter what, it's always pharmaceutically based and that's like a really weird place to be when you're trying to when these psychedelics these very potent psychedelics are um giving you an uber connection to source that is a weird place to be when it's kind of like i consider it like a cheat code mm -hmm. um which is to each their own but at the same time i've done it all in the sense of ayahuasca multiple times um, a lot of times and uh been on four retreats with ayahuasca and then um, with the toad and then smoking pharmaceutical DMT. It's similar, but this is, you know, you're tapped into source. This is the God molecule. Um, 5-MeO as opposed to ayahuasca is 5-MeO. 5-MeO monoamine oxidizer. Um, it's basically, it allows for your, it to get to your liver because the ayahuasca vine um, makes it so the 5-MAO doesn't get broke down by your gut and then it's allowed to get to your to your liver. So I compare it with people smoking DMT, which is 5-MAO, mm -hmm. is compared to smoking marijuana. You eat marijuana, that's comparable to totally ayahuasca. Different. Totally different experience. Effect, yeah. um, so when you drink ayahuasca, it's a longer acting um, experience, but it's more it's your ego is still in play so yeah you eventually realize throughout the four and a half five hour experience you let go but with five meo you're forced to let go mm -hmm. so the thread gets cut like fucking rather quickly and then you're just there and it's a 20 minute experience as opposed to a five hour experience so imagine what the short the short-sighted western world needs they need five meo mm -hmm. and that is what I consider and my practitioners, we consider it kind of, it's the guaranteed savior of our country, which in turn is our planet because it's our country and China that are really fucking this thing up. This earth spaceship, we're really kicking the shit out of it. Mm -hmm. um, so we really look at this as um, we need to keep the DEA's hands off it. And the most important thing is having conscious conversation about it. So we can't keep it taboo. We can't like not talk about it, but we also can't have Kentucky ayahuasca running rampant. We can't have Chelsea Handler giving ayahuasca a bad name. Right. You know, we need we need people who are actually practicing it and working with it who are having the 99 percentile experience, which is a positive experience. What do you say to people that are scared of it? Oh, well, that's um, means you respect it. You should be scared of it. I'm still scared shitless of yeah. it. You should be. Right. That's the most important thing is it lets you know that you're not a sociopath. Right. You know, this is Mecca. This is, we're dealing with God here. We're dealing with source. We're dealing with all the answers you've ever searched your entire life for. Literally being handed to you on a golden platter mm -hmm. due to the work you put in. You know what I'm saying? Definitely. The experience is the first part. It's, it's, um... That's opening up the wormhole, but you have to, there's life before and life after. So now you have to live through the wormhole, which is everything. It is new experience. It is new understanding. Most importantly, now you can never unlearn what you've learned, what you've seen, what you felt. 
Like, dude, I've had um my first year drinking ayahuasca my third night. I didn't break through the first two nights. I was still kind of clouded over in regards to too much marijuana usage, which kind of puts an oil slick on your spirit, um, they say. And so they broke me through my third night and I never worshipped, I never even focused on the Hindu religion. All of a sudden Ganesh is right there in front of me floating and now I've got her on my wall. I've got her everywhere just because I now understand. I now get the perfection of these ancient gods that we've been worshiping. Mm-hmm. Buddha, for instance. Buddha might have been multiple people. We don't fucking know. Might have been a reincarnation into multiple bodies. We don't know, but it doesn't matter. So you have Christians who really want to give you the end-all, be-all answer with Jesus Christ. The answer is you don't fucking know right. and accept that fact. Because you should be the reincarnation of Christ with how you live. You should care about your neighbor. You should give and then receive things like that where like live, let it live through you. One of the most freeing things to me that that I realized was being able to say I don't know mm-hmm. and realizing like that's true. I don't know. Yep. You know, I can have opinion, opinions. I can have ideas. Yep. Um, but no one's to say that my ideas are completely correct. Uh-huh. My ideas aren't everything that it is. Yep. Um, and that that's a super freeing thing to just allow yourself to be open-minded and adapt and change and understand that like that's what you're here for. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to adapt and change and grow. Um, so talk to me about intuition. Ooh, intuition mine has grown um, through my work because um, I used to like be very egocentric where it was like no my head's making all the decisions um but then as i grew and actually became a father too like i start to trust my heart and my gut more so than ever that's why i say no to 90 percent of things not because i don't want to partake but it's um i my gut says to value my energy because nowadays it's beyond any currency my currency is my energy and that is something where i don't just allow anyone to suck it because everyone's an energy vampire whether they want to admit it or not Mm -hmm. even i am i can be a heavy presence in a room i'll be the first one to admit it but going back to what you're saying i still don't know shit so like we are here having a conversation i'm gonna talk to you about how i perceive intuition Mm -hmm. um really intuition uh, my life has been guided by fate so i've had i've always um, I, I say I always followed my ego, but no, that's not really true. I've always kind of like taken leaps as well. And they might've been ego-based leaps where I thought I was going to get this, but really I got something for my spirit out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, things like going down to the jungle, things like accepting this dude's book who's going away for 20 years, who just gave me the DMT, a spirit molecule. And then I end up reading it. And, um, you know, five years later, I'm uh, being sent down to the fucking jungle on a whim out of fate after I got my first passport because I got off felony probation and was told where I needed to go. And then a month later, a psychic is reassuring. She didn't know me from Adam. Uh, She's fucking just telling me I belong in Peru. All the while, she didn't know I was planning on going to Peru um, because this book five years earlier um, told me where I needed to go. And then Aubrey Marcus says, you need to go to this retreat. And then a month later, she's t- writing on a piece of paper. I still have it in my bedroom, Peru. Then she circles it and fucking stars it. And it's like, oh, shit. 
So I've been following my gut throughout this process. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I landed down in Peru um, August of that year doing off the grid. And it was something like me just following my gut, following my gut the whole time. Um, I left a job. I left. um, I was a development director for this company um, from the age of 20 to 26. Um, and it was something where like I was getting paid decent for what I was doing, but at the same time, like it was soul sucking. And then I would like, that's really where I would follow my gut. My intuition is when I would leave jobs, I was the king at like fucking eight months in. Nope. This is not fulfilling. I'm out of here. I I value myself way more. So I think intuition, there's a sliding scale with intuition. Some of them are just like surface, the decisions you make. Um, but some of them are really like you dream about them mm-hmm. and your dreams talk to you mm-hmm. and your dreams like really um, reinforce why you've been feeling the way you feel. And some people, the powerful ones, wake up that morning and they go put in their two weeks. Mm-hmm. They're like, I'm fucking Audi 500, bro, because this office has been sucking me dry. And that's where like. Because I'm not, you'll, one thing you'll never really see from me is excuses. I might make surface excuses, but I know I'm bullshitting. But that's one thing you'll never get from me is like, I just go. So you ain't going to catch me saying, no, I can't leave this job because no, I got, bitch, we all got bills to pay. Right. Bitch, we all got, we're raising kids. We're all doing this. Like you're actually an ill benefit to your children if you don't make the right decision that's been sucking you dry because where are you going to be in 20 years you're going to be soulless you're going to be unhappy you're going to be miserable your wife's probably going to fucking leave you and you're going to resort to banging heroin at the age of 50 like a fucking loser you know what i'm saying so much of what you said i can like just heavily like relate to in a way where the reason I asked is because I felt like I personally have like a powerful intuition. I've had powerful intuitive moments. I've had, I had a dream that got me off of heroin essentially. Oh, fuck, it was a build of things, but I had a dream where in my dream, it was super lucid, super vivid, but someone offered me dope um, for the very first time in my consciousness. I said no to it. Mm-hmm. Um, for the first time that I can recall, I had ever said no, like I'm, I'm not using, I'm done with it, yeah. but it was in a dream. But the next scene in that dream after me saying no, I like turned into a superhero. Yeah. And that was like, I felt like that was like my, it was like source or that was my intuition or whatever it was telling me, like you can say no and look what you can be. You know, I was like realizing my full potential at that point. Um, Bro, that's power, the power of dreams. It's crazy. And you know? like intuition is what has brought, brought me here. You of know? course. Like, I don't know you. I don't know. Like I'm just getting to know you now. Like that's like the point of this conversation. But like it, something just told me like this is right. I from listening to you and your podcast, it was like, well, like this guy says a lot of the shit that I think about. Like you're up to a lot of the shit that like I want to be doing. Also, like starting this podcast, it was just like I want to incite having people having more of these types of conversations. Mm-hmm. So like I need to go out and put these types of conversations out myself. Hell yeah, and that's why that's like why I'm doing this. But that was intuition that told me to do mm-hmm. that. You know, it's also intuition that gets me in trouble. Like last summer when uh-huh. when I did quit my job. And I was like, all right, I'm just going to do photography. I'm going to pursue this podcast. And you are a beast at photography, by the way. I appreciate it. Yeah, definitely appreciate it. But uh, so I'm like, okay, I'm going to just like pursue that. I'm like, that's going to be my leap. But I decided to try and take a shortcut and sell weed. 
so I could still pay my bills, but have the freedom to go network and have all this extra free time. And like, it was super helpful in the fact that I learned so much about photography. I Mm -hmm. made a bunch of dope connections in the city that I had, I had didn't, I met so many people over just like a four or five month period that I had never met before. And I can still communicate with today and build and grow with, um, that I wouldn't have had the opportunity to do with before. Um, and then I, and then I get myself caught up and mm-hmm. just like sends me fucking straight down into this fucking hole um, that I'm finally like starting to climb back mm-hmm. out of at this point. Um, but it's it's that in- intuition that has given me like um, the power to like continuing to keep going, mm-hmm. you know, to like through the adversity, like through any type of pain, any type of grief. Um, just to like figure out like, OK, like what's next? You know, mm-hmm. like it's been intuition that that told me like. Um, like Hindu and Buddhism mm-hmm. teachings, like that's what I should read, you know. Yeah. Right? And then I did, and I was like, "Wow, like this is amazing," you know. And, then and I, now you I, don't step on spiders, right? And I actually I hate killing bugs, you uh-huh. know, unless it's scaring my ex. Like yeah. was the one time <laughs> I killed a couple spiders. Uh, but yeah, no, literally. That's funny. Um, but yeah, like yeah, intuition. It's um, and it it's funny how it can grow. It uh, it grows over time where it's like. I start to trust it more where I, I, I really like have um, I've taken a lot of leaps over the last couple of years and intuition has I'm glad you brought it up because it's kind of been this golden child in my life where I have it allows you it allows a man especially a man a young man to graduate from ego and I don't bring up dude ego is our best friend and our worst enemy so people who are listening who hear me talk about ego I'm not even talking about ego as a bad thing dude it's our best friend it gets us through life ego has it has been so misunderstood in the western world where people bring it up and they look at it like like it is the devil. Yeah, it can be the devil if you allow it to be the devil. Mm-hmm. It's your fucking day in, day out decision maker. That makes me just think about balance specifically. Yes. About like what characters in your mind, be it ego, intuition, whatever it is, what mm-hmm. characters you're going to give voice to yep. and how you're going to balance yep. those voices. Because for me, like there's been certain times where like one voice will be louder than the others. Mm-hmm. I'll get in trouble because I listen to one while shutting out the other mm-hmm. or... Um, I just like I know there's like different actors in mm-hmm. my mind, be it ego, id, intuition, yep. like whatever it is. I don't, I don't know, mm-hmm. you know. But I just understand that there definitely needs to be a balance as far as what you give mm-hmm. a voice to. It's been talked about, and I it's actually I've got it over there in the Happiness Hypothesis by Jonathan Haidt. He talks about um, I forgot if it was Freud or who it was. No, it might have been um, Young. Um, ego super ego and id or id and i learned about these um in my psychology classes in college because believe it or not i'm a three-time college dropout um but i took all my classes and shit i just could never pass math math class was always a thorn in my side and at the time i was working in development in business so like i was already helping companies brand and and being a, a force in that realm so like i was going to do it regardless so no college degree was going to stop or tell me i was going to be allowed to get through the gate you know and um learning in cuz i initially i was majoring in psychology and majoring in psychology and then switching over to business full blown was probably the best decision I ever made was to was to focus on psychology first because it allowed me to play chess 
with who I was dealing with in in the business realm. Mm-hmm. So like now, um, for instance, there's this big uh, granite company here in town, um, uh, uh, Cambria. Okay, um, and dealing with some of their representatives uh, for this big event we had last year, we were gonna do our our Gary V dinner in their space before the event. And they're like Galleria. What's that? Do, do they have like a yeah? Gallery? And their gallery okay. down yeah. here. So their headquarters was down here, but now they have them all over the place. Mm-hmm. And um, it's still downtown, right in the corner, Fourth Street. And um, and uh, it just didn't work out. But at, throughout the process, dealing with some of these representatives, I started to realize um, the power of my psychology background in regards to like basically playing chess with these people Mm -hmm. and where they want to like kind of like play hardball and like not understand where I'm coming from or what the magnitude of having Gary V in your space can do for you. Mm -hmm. So it was a branding thing because I had partners for this dinner from quick trip to fucking go down the list, some heavy hitters, you know, some corporate entities Mm -hmm. and they wanted it to be theirs, but they didn't want to cut a check. And it's like, wait a minute, I'm doing this already a quarter million dollar event. Out of that quarter million dollar event, 25000 of this is the dinner. And you want to play this kind of game when you ain't even going to cut me a check? You're just going to let me use your space for free? I don't think so. Mm-hmm. So, like, this is me and my business background because um, I was, what, 30 at the time. So this is my 10 years in where I put in my time in negotiations. I booked Gary V on my fucking cell phone. You know what I'm saying? After pitching his agency three different times in a month's month span. Yeah. Like this ain't my first rodeo. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like when you're dealing with people like that, you realize the power of containing your own ego, allowing your intuition to shine through, all the while putting completely at bay your superego because our superego is what sabotages us. Our superego is what makes rash decisions because we feel we got to be a man and we got to go kick that dude in the temple because he's jaw jacking your boys or whatever that may be. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where I, through mistakes, through time, through trials, tribulations, taking it on the chin, taking it in the gut, swift kicks to the nuts that's where you are able to, one, follow your intuition, and two, make your ego your best friend. So now I send my ego off on missions. It might be night before, right? I have something in my head where I got to accomplish it the next day and I don't have it put in my schedule, in my planner. I will. It might be an email to Cambria where it's like, I got to send them out, but I know I shouldn't send it now because I'm in a different mode. So I send it out. I send them out to come back to me with the answers. In the morning, in my dreams, whatever that may be. And it's fucking awesome how it works, dude. Because, like, it's really all about being in tune with yourself. Then he'll come back. And then before you know it, that meeting you have to have or that email you have to send out is, like, fluid. It's, like, sent from source. A place greater than yourself. um, Where the only way it was going to come out like that is if you were patient. They call it the, what, the 24-hour rule? That's what I was going to say. It's like sleeping on it. Yeah, you know, sleeping on it. People say sleep on it. Yeah. You know? so don't make a decision right yeah. now. Sleep on it, you know? Yep, and really, like, it's me putting in work while I'm sleeping um, in a nutshell. And I think that's where, like, I use this this third dimension is like a, I use it as a proving ground to upgrade my spirit, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. 
And one hundred percent makes sense to me. So like, because I believe um, uh, we reincarnate, and I believe that we reincarnate to keep upgrading our spirits um gains i guess you could say mm-hmm. our vibrational wavelength um if that makes sense it does so in my what i kind of gathered getting off of dope and whatnot and this is also something that's like kept me from suicide in the mm-hmm. past was the idea that like i'm here to face the pain and grow and and essentially by the end of my experience here i can graduate to whatever's next mm-hmm. but if i cut it short or do the things that don't allow me to grow, I'm not going to get any further in the scheme that's outside of my realm of consciousness right now. What are the odds that um, you just come back and you're forced to be in the same comparable situation at the same time at the in the next life? Mm-hmm. Where it's like, no matter what, you're going to have to get through that hurdle mm-hmm. and you got to do it through life, through correct decision-making. You know, throwing in the towel is, is cool and all, but at the same time, it's like we are cutting everything short. Our our um, experience, our progress, we're cutting it all short. Mm-hmm. And that's an understanding thing. So like suicide, although I deal with hardcore depression every winter, um, suicide is always off the table, even though I think about it daily, just because... Um, I understand what you're talking about in regards to, well, then that would be a lack of progress stops there. Who the fuck knows? Why would I do that to my family? Why would I do that to to obviously myself? Mm -hmm. It just wouldn't make sense. All the while, I was a 17-year-old kid who tried to commit suicide. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Um, Put in the fucking psych ward because I ate 100 pills. All because of a fucking being drunk and a girl. You know what I'm saying? That's an that's interesting because I literally at the same age attempted suicide also, <laughs> and I what I took we'll call it a, a heroic dose of Tylenol, <laughs> no, a, a heroic dose of heroin. Oh shit! And for some reason, I look back. I don't know what to call it, but like I took a ridiculous amount of heroin that should have easily killed me. <laughs> and and to this day, I contemplate this like, was it divine intervention? Like did I really not want to kill myself? And this is just how I remember it. Like mm-hmm. I'm totally like up in the air as to like, how did I survive this, mm-hmm. this moment? Um, but yeah, that just stuck out to me. It's so, there are so many synchronicities. I believe we live in the matrix. Like yeah, I, uh, I, I think that, and the, the crazy thing is, is like in our genetic code, they've realized that it's all made up of ones and zeros which is fucking insane, dude. It's like, it lets us know that we live in like this biological simulation and we kind of are the, we kind of are the Morpheus of it, but at the same time, we're the Neos of it too, because like we still don't know. But at the same time, like the more reading we do, the more meditation, the more psychedelics we dabble with, the more realms we tap into to um, push the boundaries it's almost like we scale up a little bit Mm -hmm. in regards to our level of understanding and it's very interesting talking about dreams as well because as um, some people know and you learn this in the book uh, DMT spirit molecule uh, 
we release DMT while we have these experiences in our dreams. Same thing when we're a little child, we have deja vu or little kids see ghosts. They also have dimethyltryptamine um, flooding their brain. And it's very interesting because it floods our brain when we're born, floods our brain when we're dreaming, these experiential dreams. Same thing when we die. What was Steve Jobs saying on his deathbed? Wow. Wow. What was my dad saying on his deathbed? I see baby Nicole. I see baby Nicole pointing in the corner. Meanwhile, baby Nicole died eight years prior. You know what I'm saying? She was coming through the wormhole to pull him through, whatever the fuck that may be. Same thing with my grandpa two years ago. I was his kind of midwife, I guess you could say, or midlife with death. Um, They had me staying with him towards the end because of some divine intervention during my second retreat down in, um, in the Amazon jungle where my grandma, who had died the same year as my dad in 94, came through and was like, your grandpa's going to get sick, mind you. Three months later, he got diagnosed with cancer. He's going to be fucking on the outs. And this is divine intervention telling me this. She's like, Nick, since you're the only one who's ever experienced this in our family, you need to be there for him on his um, deathbed during his dying days. So my grandpa's final month, I'm staying with him, you know, chumming it up with him, you know, having some cocktails with him, just making sure he's comfortable. And then when he um, was on his his uh, really his his last few days before we started doping him up for the pain um he was saying some like outlandish slash most beautiful stuff ever it was coming from his soul it was there was no middleman involved it was the, the source was speaking through him and it's like how do you categorize that yeah. what the fuck there's nothing you can say to anybody. Me already trying to put it into words is doing it ill justice. Right. You know what I'm saying? It's your, it was your own experience. Yeah. Like, that's so powerful to me. It's just like so absolutely insane to have that experience where like you hear it in your experience in the jungle that he's going to get sick in the coming months. And I can just imagine you. Did you believe it at that time? Yeah, because was it was it? my second year. If it was my first year, I would have been a little more skeptical. But my second year, I was breaking through every night. I was having these fucking crazy divine experiences every okay. night. I was in tune. So if it was my first year, I wouldn't have really put too much credence into it. But the second year, I just knew. It yeah. was just clear as day. It was going to happen. That's absolutely insane. But it's okay, you know, and that's the the most important thing that when people stub their toes, they need to understand that there's two, it takes two to tango. You need to accept the bumps you have in life. Sentencing coming up, you own it. You accept the decisions you made Mm -hmm. because we all have 24 hours in a day, which means we all have the same amount of time to make the correct decisions. So when we allow ourselves to be vessels for good, which is Lincoln Drink, a free event. Mm-hmm. We might start charging here in the near future, but the thing is, it's a free event to just connect people. And we unconditionally want that for everyone. I want Justin to gain an investor in these things. People have gained investors in these Lincoln Drinks. Same thing with Gary V. Uh, I sacrificed fucking $82,000 out of my own. I lost $82,000, one event, but it doesn't matter. Because my friends made money. My boys at Juicebot got a deal. They now have a machine in VaynerMedia in Los Angeles. Damn. You know what I'm saying? It's yeah. like, and I gave my boy, uh, LJ, and his dad the opportunity to elevator pitch Gary in the lobby of the Hilton where I had Gary staying. So it's like, I do that for the cause. Mm-hmm. Get my drift? I want everybody to win because I have experienced the other side of life, whether it be jail or whether it be psychedelia. 
doesn't fucking matter. I have experienced so much in my life, you know, when I was six years old, holding my dad while he fucking took his last breath, holding his hand. That's a trippy experience for a fucking six-year-old kid. Definitely. You know what I'm saying? All the while, I wouldn't change it for the world. I used to dwell on it. I used to think, what was me? Life fucked me. I grew up without a dad. I had to be a triple felon by the time I was 23. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's like a solid excuse for you yes. in that moment. Right? Yes. But it none of it matters because if it wouldn't have happened, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't have my wife. wouldn't have my daughter. wouldn't have Justin here with me. I wouldn't be ballsy enough to take the risks I've taken in life. Mm-hmm. You know? To go actually pull the trigger on some of this big stuff we're doing to the point where it's like we're untouchable now. And I don't say that from a cocky standpoint. I say that I have put in the work to the point you can't tell me shit. I'll just tell you no. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? That's a place of leverage. That's a place of power. And I don't look at it as leverage in the business world. I look at it as leverage in the life world mm-hmm. where it's like you can't people online, right? haters online they'll try to knock you off your pedestal or they'll try to like throw jabs at you to like really get under your skin bitch my skin is so thick it is so calloused from trying to kill myself when i was 17 getting beat by the police and tased fucking getting robbed at gunpoint get you know what i'm saying pistols in my mouth like there's nothing you can do to me that's gonna sway me because i know where my conscience lies it's here right now with you there's nothing you can do so if like say um the next person who talks shit to you right about what you're doing an angle you took a shot with um a lens you used whatever the fuck someone who wants to position themselves as better than you to talk shit that's in that moment guess what we're already moved on we're in the next moment now we're cheers and whiskey fuck yeah with the homie you know what i'm saying posted up comfortable Knowing that tomorrow we get to wake up with breath in our or air in our lungs, that's power. That's it's super interesting. I say that a lot. Everything's super interesting to me. Hey, I love it because it lets me know that you're fucking interested. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, like uh, there's a few things, but first the one that I'm thinking immediately is like, for me, like, I feel like I'm trying to put out like this this uh like we touched on before but like this like realness right like Mm -hmm. there's no one really that like comes at me i don't have any haters because like it's not i don't know maybe i don't put myself out there enough to maybe i'm not doing enough to have any haters but still no i don't say that bro you're doing a lot no i'm just saying like i feel like i'm just i feel like i'm trying to put out this like just this realness where it's like if you're gonna hate on me you're just an idiot and Mm -hmm. i make it apparent before you even like hate on me right yeah like that's what i think of like i'm my biggest hater if anything it's like rabbit and eight mile where it's like uh not rabbit is it rabbit is eminem rabbit yeah yeah where he just like lets all of his flaws be known from the jump to the point you ain't got shit to say right right you know and that can't beat him in a rap battle because he put all his shits out there that's the power of realness where it's like I've that's I love letting my skeletons out of the closet dancing with them in the fucking living room. Fuck, I'll dance with them in the banquet hall, you know, where it's like, here are my skeletons. I got nothing to hide. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter. You know, like what you say to me doesn't matter. And same thing with like you just living your truth. Bitch, I'm rolling. I'm on one. And it's called life. Mm -hmm. I can't be stopped. Because I'm dancing with my skeletons 
Well, you're over there shoving more in the closet. I'm dancing with mine. Right. You know? And I think a big part, I may, I think I learned this from my mom, where she like gave out this opposite example of putting everything in her closet. Yeah. And I see the demons that she still is facing and trying to fight to this day uh-huh. and can't get over, that she has just made her experience so much harder on herself mm. than it needs to be. And I like it's sad seeing seeing her go through it, but yeah. I'm almost grateful because of how much it's actually taught me where like I understand just from seeing that specifically that I need to be real so I don't get to that point mm-hmm. when I'm 45, 46, yep. 47 years old. You know, and that that's one thing I would hate to do is look back on my life and be like, oh, I wish in this situation I would have done this differently, but I didn't because I was scared of what someone was going to think or mm-hmm. say or do or whatever. Um, yeah, the dude, how the fuck do you have so much energy? Um, honestly, it's, uh, it's you. It is when people put me in positions to be on their show, um, to have a, like today I had a very powerful lunch meeting with a real estate investor here in town, um, because he called me into a meeting. He wanted to have one with me. And it's always the same old question. Where's your energy come from? Where's your energy come from? Mm-hmm. It's from you. It's you putting me in this position, giving me op- the opportunity. It's my time to shine. I grew up on stages, okay? I was always the class clown. I was voted most dramatic. I was uh, um, an artist. Like, you see what I do? Like, uh, give me the fucking microphone. Right. Let's go. And it's a switch that can get turned on. I do have to take time to shut it off. But at the same time, you need all of me. Mm-hmm. I get hit up on a daily basis. I've already been hit up once today about my boy who's down in New Orleans. He's in the Navy and he's got a buddy up here who's highly depressed, needs my fucking help. That is every single day, Justin. Yesterday, no, on Sunday, it was a girl. It was a girl. And then on Friday, nothing yesterday and nothing on Saturday. But Friday, it was two people. And then last week, probably six total, where it's like, this person needs your help. This person needs your help. Now we have this um, Where the Minds Meet 2 coming up with Dr. Gabor Mate, the leading behavioral psychologist on the planet. He's coming. So now I'm getting hit up religiously because people are seeing it on his website and my contact is on there. So they're hitting me up religiously. Some of these people are practitioners, therapists, um, psychologists who are going to be traveling here from out of state or in state, but a lot of them are just people who need this. Mm-hmm. So I am seeing my um, purpose live through itself where people need my fucking energy. One thing that has been shown to me and felt with me in ceremony um, in the jungle while the shamans are working on, say, PTSD, rape victims, um, uh, war veterans, things like that. They're actually using my heart and my energy as kind of a generator in the room. And it's been consistent. Every fucking year I go, I am used as a tool in these rooms because I have a great time every single time because mm-hmm. I just get through my shit. There's darkness, some tears, but I just get through it. And I release it and it's on. Not everybody can do that. And I've learned that not a lot of people like our moms, my mom as well, they hold on to shit. And it comes through um, heart disease. It comes through you get you get cancer. You get so much stuff when you hold on to the bullshit. You get even just fucking hard, harder than rock shoulders. They just get so strained and knotted up. And these are people who just live with stress and balls of stress and it is my job it is my duty 
to allow you through conversation to understand that you can let that shit go. It no longer serves its purpose. Mm -hmm. And when I'm used as an energy vessel or an energy fucking um, supplier in these ceremonies, it is because I'm serving a, I'm serving a purpose. These people need me. So right now, my boy who's done over, he was the second platoon in um, after 9-11 happened. They were a half a mile away from Osama bin Laden in Afghanistan. He spent over 1,800 days in, um, in uh, overseas alone, not to mention the years over here in active duty um, on, on stateside. And this is a dude who was on 18 medications at one time. He, from the VA, uh, he had exhausted all routes. This is a guy who is older than me. He's a very successful man. Um, real estate mogul down in, down in Florida. My own fucking house is on Lake Tahoe. Go down the list. He was a big time grower for all the dispensaries um, from Humboldt County down in California. Him and his partner. This is a dude who's done it. Okay. Mm -hmm. But you can't take away the fact that he's had been in multiple blast zones and his equilibrium is fucked up mm -hmm. to the point he can't be in a room where there's two conversations going on at once. It's like nails scratching down a fucking chalkboard. Um, so anyways, he's gone the plant medicine route and he's heavy in it right now. We've, we've got him down in South America. He was just in Costa Rica. Um, I was just in Colorado with him last month. Like this is a guy who is exhausting his options. Um, so, uh, it is my duty to see to it that he gets some of my energy because we can't lose him. He is a vessel for good. He is a glue piece for everything I do. And he is someone who is helping me out all the while. The week before we were in Colorado together over Easter weekend, the motherfucker was walking down the street with a pistol, walking down to the river, ready to blow his fucking brains out. Get my drift? Yeah. This is what we're dealing with here. This is a guy who's a father of two kids, who's a professional. His wife's a fucking doctor, okay? This issue we're dealing with does not discriminate. No. I've had seven head injuries in my life, Okay. Three of them sports-related, four of them fight-related, three of them fight-related, one of them police-related, okay? Now, I'm fucked. My memory's fucked. Go down the list. I can make all the excuses in the world, or I can maximize effort. So when you talk about where my energy comes from, it comes from a place greater than myself. It comes from a place of understanding that I don't understand. I don't know shit. Mm -hmm. All the while, I know a little bit more than some people. That's not to put me on a pedestal. That's not to um, put me up here higher on a totem pole. That is just to explain where I'm at today. Mm -hmm. Because I strive to learn more and be a better person tomorrow than I am today. Because that's the only way I can help the Justins of the world. That's the only way I can help this dude of the world. You know, this guy I don't even know who needs my fucking help. Mm -hmm. You know, all because a third party said, hey, he really needs your fucking help. Mm -hmm. And that is something where... I don't want another person to go because we're already losing way too many people. Shit. Physicians are the leading suicide victims. That's Do you know that? I didn't know that. They're the leading suicide victims. That just leads me to believe they're taking in too many of other people's problems uh -huh. and, and not going anywhere with yep. them. Yeah, they're not divulging. So like, that's the importance of uh, letting your skeletons out. That's the only way you can be this energy this energy component you know where it's like you have to expend it but you also have to um 
understand the importance of that's why dude when i go i've been in peru with doctors who can't even they have to go down with an alias they can't even use their real name because they're they're the clinics they work for can't know they're down there damn literally you know how trees take in co2 and produce oxygen uh-huh you're like a fucking tree bro <laughs> ah, let's go dude. <laughs> yeah, dude that's the fucking you're, move yeah <laughs> like you're taking in that like that energy of like i don't know what you're you're, you say how you're expending energy, but like your energy comes from somewhere, mm -hmm. right? And it's like you're taking in that energy that other people can't live off of yeah. and turning it into something that people can strive off of. Negative right? to positive, baby. Yeah. And that's actually, that might even be the name of the episode because that is like, that's our daily lives where bullshit has happened to us. We've gotten the shit end of the stick. And no matter what, through understanding and how we perceive this thing called life, that's where we dictate where we'll go in life with using the secret. Mm -hmm. So as much, dude, like after James Arthur Ray, um, three people died under his company's watch at this retreat down in Arizona in a sweat lodge. It was very hot. Three people overheated died, right? So this dude went from top of the world on Oprah. You know what I'm saying? Like... He was just endorsed through the fucking roof. All of a sudden, he is public enemy number one. All the while, all he was trying to do is help people reach their fucking max potential. He was canceled. Yeah. yeah. He was straight up X'd out, X-nade. And this is a person who, since that happened, the secret has been slept on. The secret has been just shit on. And I won't lie, it's like a surfaced view of what we're talking, this philosophy mm -hmm. we're talking about. Um, but at the same time, it's a great starter point because, dude, like we can't bring people to third base before they've even hit a single. Right. You know, and like oftentimes, like that's what I was, uh, this guy I'm about to go help out is, yeah, I'm going to help him out, but here's the deal. Uh, Marcus, my boy Marcus, you can give him my number. He's not going to call. You get my drift? They never call. Right. It's about them really being downtrodden enough to do anything it takes. And you've been there where mm -hmm. you've been so downtrodden. You fucking tried overdosing on heroin just to end it. But the thing is, is that's how far a rock bottom can go. And rock bottoms are a beautiful thing. Get my drift? Yeah. Where there is a motherfucker who blew off half of his face trying to commit suicide, obviously didn't die, and he is blessed. He will tell you he's blessed. Uh, motherfuckers who have jumped off bridges, broke their spine, they don't die, they live, they're paralyzed forever, but now they value life mm -hmm. that much more. Pressure makes diamonds. Yes, dude. No and that's the silver lining of any darkness is as long as you're still breathing, as long as that CO2 can take in air, bitch, you're giving oxygen to somebody. Yeah. You know? No doubt. You owe it. I I love that analogy because I've literally said in my life, like, I just want to be a tree. <laughs> I've said that before. And now it's Dude, almost you like you look it makes like a sense. tree. Dude, get the fuck out of what here. What the fuck? You and your freaking. My froey long ass curls. Yeah, you dude. Saying? You got some. Uh, I'm like a weeping willow or something. What's shit? that one dude? What's that one dude from um, when I looked his way? Everybody did something like that. Dude, I don't Keep hanging, girl. Don't be mad. Hating's bad. Now I think I'm sexy and I know it. Do, 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 do. So you just had to say the chorus. Yeah. I don't know the dude, though. Uh, you look just you're, like him. You're dating yourself. How old are you? Uh, I'm 31. 31. Okay. 20, How old are you? 23. 23? Yeah. 
And when I was 23, I uh, was getting, I got my ass beat by the police. They said I was going for my waistband when I wasn't. Um, so they beat me while tasing me. Those charges got dropped um, just because those two cops on campus at the U were known for beating people. And here's how serendipity works in my fucking life. My Hennepin County judge, Judge Small, went to college with my sentencing judge, Judge Lund down here. Who like was over, he was my umbrella to my entire case Okay. Um, since I was 18. Okay. So like any dictation came down to his decision. For them to send me to prison or whatever. Um, Judge Small and Judge Lund went to college together. And it was just crazy. Because like Judge Lund, during my first appearance in front of him, I had a black eye or two black eyes. My nose was fucking puffed out. This is three days after the cops just whooped my ass. Um, and tased me twice. And the second time they tased me, dude got up from beating me. And he's like, tase his ass again. And like... I just, you know what I'm saying? Because yeah. there was nobody who saw it. It was fucking in an, it was in a hallway, just us three, you know? So there was no th- nothing to go against it. And Judge Small was flipping over the paperwork, and he saw Judge Lund. He's like, oh, I went to college with him. And then the prosecutor, after Judge Small was asking me what happened to my face, I started to ta- tell him, the prosecute the state prosecutor cut me off and said actually he was so drunk he just didn't remember he fell down the stairs that was the lie they used in the paperwork was that i was so drunk they couldn't control me i fell down the stairs went face first into the wall which is bullshit and judge small cut her off after she cut me off and he said you don't get two perfect black eyes looking like a raccoon by falling down the stairs right and it was so awesome because it was like this dude went to college with my sentencing judge and now he's cutting this bitch off. And throughout that time, he just like had my back. All the darkness, all the pending shit he saw I was dealing with, he still looked at me as a white man who could do no wrong. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, that's the power of being white in the system is like you are perceived in a different way. Right. No matter what, they like look at you as god's child that's definitely you know? that's super real i mean my little brother's mulatto I'm, he's mixed he just I'm, got a fucking no, weed dui I'm last lucky week. for for my experience so because this is my my running joke like if i were ever, ever to do stand-up i would i would use it, this would be like my my skit it'd be like i got the best of both worlds and it's like i'm i'm white and i'm black i got a few things from my dad like my nice skin tone like i got some nice curly hair he gave me a big dick I got better things for my mom, though, whereas I can speak white people and I don't get shot by police. <laughs> you know, like, that's like my just like yeah. my running joke where like when it comes into like police interaction, like I just I'm able to like turn on that voice and they look at me like I'm like white. Yeah. As opposed to being black. Because and you have glasses, too. Like, and glasses. Yeah. You like, have white librarian I glasses. I almost look like studious. Right. Yeah. Like I look and I intentionally bought the car that I bought because it's like a dad car. Yeah. And it looks like like a normal ass like dude you know you are well spoken and honestly if you bleach your skin a little bit you could come off as jewish and that's where you got the in then you're golden then you're good yeah you're fucking golden you are the golden child i feel like we're digressing um no we're staying in the pocket okay so check this out my little brother mixed because my stepdad's black right Uh uh-huh um my little brother just got a marijuana dui and minnesota in minnesota but he snitched on himself you know, they smelt the pot. He never should. He should have just said, no, I'm not. 
They'll take your pot, give you a misdemeanor, but they're not going to take you down to the station and run your blood. So they went and fucking had a nurse take his blood, run the tests. And that's because he snitched on himself. Same thing. Uh, My cousin, uh, we have a lot of, we have, yeah, so my Uncle Slim, he's not my real uncle, but he's my uncle, you know what I'm saying? Right. Um, His son is like my little brother. And uh, we both played basketball, John Marshall, shit like that. And um, we camped together. We were just with each other all weekend. And Zay uh, just got fucking hit with controlled substance charges because he was selling e or vape cartridges. Okay. They look at it because it's condensed. They look at it as it's, a controlled substance. Yeah, it's manufactured. It's, it's manufactured. And this is a kid who gets straight A's down at college. He just like... Um, he battles depression, hardcore depression to the point he had a full ride scholarship, had to quit uh, for basketball, had to quit basketball. He's a very good basketball player, had to quit basketball just because he's so depressed, anxiety down the, go down the list. Doctors put him on some stuff. He starts selling fucking vape cartridges and, um, kid snitches on him on campus. He gets his fucking house raided and they come take his cartridges. And that shit only happens is when someone's talking, right? You got to go get blood tests downtown. That's because you snatch on yourself. Same thing with this situation. So you got these kids who are 18 and uh, or 19 and yeah, 19 years old. And you're, they're both facing felonies situation just like me. And it's like, but they're both mixed. They're both, uh, you see their paperwork. They're getting the book thrown at them. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. They're fucking kids who are going to college, both hold jobs you know, my little brother sells fucking suits at men's warehouse. Mm-hmm. He's their he's their assistant manager. Before he, he just turned 19, when he was 18, he got named their assistant manager. That's pretty fucking that cool is. for a no 18-year-old doubt. kid. No doubt. You know? And it's like, these kids are so fucked with today's society. Because it's already keeping up with the Joneses because the internet controls that game. Now you have the fact that they're mixed They have afros on their head and they're being perceived as first time felons as something they're not. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? That's where the system is so fucking broken. And we were just talking about it today on my podcast, how the war on drugs is the most racist agenda ever, Mm -hmm. where it's all about you started off marijuana going after Hispanics and black people in the jazz community. Mm -hmm. And now look, it's just going after everybody. You walk through, walk through my neighborhood you're going to see more minorities than not. And with you the, know? The, the, the sweeping drug act when after anybody that was unorthodox to the, the, like the establishment, yeah. right? That was, that was apart from what was perceived as normal to the people that were in power. Mm-hmm. And they, yeah, I mean like that, that wacky tobacco. don't come fucking my wife after you spoke that pot. Right. John. Well, it's, it's just insane. How we're still battling with that, even with the amount of people that smoke weed to this day, <laughs> you know. I feel like we are digressing though. Let's um, yeah. let's reel it in. Yeah. Let's tell people because we're already an hour in. We got a good podcast out of this. One last question. Okay. So we talked about. You kind of alluded to this idea that I think is important to to think about and put out. Just the fact that, like, the experiences that you have mm-hmm. almost make you the person that you are right now, mm-hmm. depending on how you decide to take in those experiences. Yeah. What experience was it for you 
that you would wish to never repeat again in your life, but in retrospect has provided the most value for you? <sighs> Sounds like you've had a lot, so that might be a tough question. Yeah, to I do have a lot. It would probably be... Um, God damn. I want to think of a unique one. Not like where I caught my charges, shit like that. It would probably be... Um, my relationship with my stepdad we have a great relationship he's like my best friend now shit like that but through my formative years like ninth 10th 11th grade i was a um high-end athlete um where like i was so cocky bro but like i was like still going down the wrong path where it was during those years i wish i would have listened to him more because it would have not sh not um taking my life down a different trajectory it would have just enriched it to a point where my level of understanding wouldn't have been so immature if that makes sense mm -hmm. he was military based you know what i'm saying like mm -hmm. he really wanted to raise me in a different way that my mom didn't my mom wanted to let me skate and it was very enablement based mm -hmm. um where it's probably that with my stepdad um, I wish I would have at those time, that time, um, really kind of taken in what he was trying to tell me and ran with it, um, because it really would have matured me way earlier, mm -hmm. um, than later. Cause he's one of the hardest workers I know. It, have, it sounds like it would have instilled values in you that you uh -huh. had learned through yep. experience yep. as opposed to what was being shown to you yep. <laughs> at a young age. Yeah. Cause he right. also grew up in a single parent household down in Atlanta, um, with his mom and his grandma. You know, he had an, uh, a worthless dad who fucking dipped out and shit like that. And and um, it's something where, like, him and I had battles. Um, I had a lot of fists in my chest, shit like that, mm -hmm. thrown around a little bit. But the thing is, is I always knew I deserved it. But at the same time, I wish I would have listened to the knowledge he was giving me, like, respecting my mother um, completely wholeheartedly, like being accountable, things like that. Mm -hmm. um, I really wish I would have listened to him big time then. No Hi, baby. Sorry. No, you're good. It's all good. It's all good. We're babe, this to... is Justin. Hi, Justin, Ryan. this is my, this my wife, Ashley. This is my daughter, Mia. Hi, Mia. Say hi, Justin. Hi. Hi, Justin. Welcome home. Welcome home. <laughs> yeah, but that's probably what it would be is um, taking what my stepdad was trying to teach me and, and um, letting it be instilled earlier rather than later because i do relay back on things he's told me mm -hmm. and um i uh now think back and i also thank him and stuff like that you know what i'm saying where i really want to allow it to just kind of um shed its light no doubt there's you know? there's definitely like things that you have to be like in the right frame of mind to mm -hmm. accept and learn and take in and and sometimes in the moment it doesn't make any sense you just shove push it right off your shoulders like whatever whatever man right mm -hmm. like i'm gonna be this young naive kid yeah and then you learn through experience and like you said you can look back on those lessons mm -hmm. that were trying to be taught to you and be like oh this is what he meant right? i want to flip it back on you though okay um give me an experience would it be the the night when you were 17 and the dope, or would it be something more recent? Would it be something kind of out of left field that uh, I might not expect? So it, it would definitely, like, this answer will probably be different five years from now. Yeah. I can tell you that. I don't know if I can tell you that. 
Because <laughs> I don't know if my no Shadamus ass motherfucker, <laughs> just Shadamus. Yeah. Uh, but no, I think that that for me that answer would probably be, um, oh, I don't know because like, you're still so young. There was decisions that I made that excelled my my addiction mm-hmm. in the first place. Mm-hmm. So it might be a one or two of those original decisions. That yeah kind of landed me in the situation that i was in and and feeling the amount of grief that i was in Mm -hmm. and and then also simply it could just be not working hard like i was a natural athlete Mm -hmm. like i i excelled naturally but i couldn't imagine the athlete i could be if i put the time the effort Mm -hmm. and the work into it um uh but i didn't necessarily like have someone around instilling that in Mm -hmm. me from a young age um but i think if there was if there was anything that maybe I regretted and wish I could do different, I think it'd be that just just not taking advantage of the opportunities that mm-hmm. were presented to me um, when I was in high school and the people that were there for me um, who I didn't decide to to go to for help when I yeah. absolutely needed it. Yeah. But looking back now, those are things that I can look on and realize mm-hmm. that like, hey, like these people are in place for certain reasons. They mm-hmm. might all serve different purposes. But I need to go to them when when I need something or when I feel I need something, because a mm-hmm. lot of times it's hard to identify whether or not you need something. Like yeah. a lot of times I tell myself, like, I'm fine. This is life. Life is supposed to be mm-hmm. hard. Like consciousness is a struggle yeah. in itself. Right. But and then we got pride as males, too. Yeah. That yeah. probably plays a big part of it. Too. Yeah. Plus, I'm a only child who grew up with a single mom. And that just like created specific pathways for myself damn i bet you and your mom's relationship hey you know what you should do um yell out to my wife and tell her honey it was a holiday yesterday garbage goes out tomorrow night all right you want me to tell her or is she pulling my daughter on the she's probably not even bringing out the uh garbage she's probably pulling her on uh on the um in a wagon in a wagon i think i saw a wagon yeah yeah she's pulling the wagon damn that would have been hilarious to have you do that <laughs> um no but i actually it's interesting um because uh i i would imagine your relationship with your mom goes deeper than than some than most actually given the circumstance single child only child as well as a single mom mm mm-hmm. I can only imagine. Uh, and then, like, to take it one step further, too, like, we are both addicted and codependent in our addiction. Really? Also. Yeah. So you're you're totally right, whereas we our, our relationship goes a lot deeper, um, and it's not it's not always positive. Mm-hmm. And for me to get sober, originally, I had to cut her off completely. Yep. Um, and I'm back at that point right now. Really? Yeah, where I just, it's like, she's provided a lot of material good in my life mm-hmm. but there has not been a lot of overall good in my life yep and i'm here trying to fill my glass so i can fill other people's glasses mm-hmm. right and i it's just a struggle doing that when i've got her just sucking it out of me uh-huh that's um dude a lot of people seek therapy for that um in regards to how to cope and how because no matter what you cannot control the fact. I don't care what people tell you, what psychedelics you take. You cannot get your mother out of any nook, that certain nook in the back of your head. No matter what, your mother resides there. 
because of the depth of your guys' relationship. Mm -hmm. No matter what, we cut them off. I've been in that situation, cutting my mom off, like where I see her insanity. You know what I'm saying? In regards to uh, most recently, she's back smoking cigarettes again. This is a woman who had her chest cavity opened up after a second heart attack. Get my drift? Like, yeah. like she keeps making her bed. Heart disease, diagnosed with diabetes, go down the fucking list. And this is a woman who, due to certain circumstances, like my sister smoking cigarettes around her, she feels she's got to smoke cigarettes again, all the while it's the same thing that's killing her. Mm -hmm. And it's like understanding that, not that I'm going to completely cut my mom off for smoking cigarettes. I'm going to understand her insanity and I'm going to keep my fucking distance because I understand I'm dealing with an insane person who might have given birth to me, who might have played a huge role in my life. She is still what she is, a fucking insane person. Mm -hmm. And I say that out of love. Mm -hmm. I say that out of understanding. I say that out of, okay, mom, you just haven't got the hint yet. When you reincarnate, you're going to have to remake tough decisions does that make sense it 100 percent makes sense and that's a minor scale because my mom's a business owner she's fucking successful my mom is very supportive of my life my wife's life my daughter's life we just spent the weekend with her but the thing is is i'm not gonna pretend like i didn't call her out on saturday morning when i caught her smoking cigarettes again and it's like, shit, I'm going to pick up my daughter and go the fuck over here to Uncle Dave's and play beanbags because you're not going to smoke around my daughter. Mm -hmm. I quit smoking that shit. Gave it a couple years. I quit that because I value beyond me. I value my fucking daughter's existence. You know, we don't give my daughter processed foods. That's because I grew up on processed foods. Mm -hmm. Get my drift. Mm -hmm. And the same thing with like our, our parents who like codependency is a dangerous place to be because... I, my mom was the one allowing us to throw parties in her basement while she wouldn't buy us liquor, but she'd let us drink liquor in her house mm -hmm. because she looked at it as, well, they're doing it in my house. At least I know they're in a safe space. Mm -hmm. All the while, like, didn't change the fact you're still letting your 16, 17-year-old kid drink and throw parties in your basement. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? That's a, its own form of codependency. Definitely. And continuing to make the same mistakes, expecting a different, different result is, a, is insanity. It's a true definition. So, like, when you have your situation, I can only imagine the depths it goes to. And I know I'm precursing right now. But at the same time, no matter what, if you feel it in your gut to cut ties for a little while, you're making the right decision for your own sanity. Deep deep super deep and super i mean it's just super real and it's like it's sad and it's really fucking hard but uh -huh. i think it's like the most important thing that i can possibly do for myself at this point in time how old is she she's 47 how old are you 23 so she had you when she was relatively young 24 yeah she i might have got her age wrong i think she was younger but yeah really? yeah yeah and your pop split yeah he went to pit prison when i was like two okay yeah, I met yeah, him yeah. when I was like 15. Really? And fuck. What was that like? I don't know. <laughs> it was weird, right? Was it? Yeah, dude. It's like, this guy's my dad. Okay, he looks like me, but I don't know this man. Yeah. You know, I'm like yeah. 14, 15 years old. I've seen mom have like three boyfriends up to this point. Yep. I've gone through so much shit already at this point. Like, I don't know who this is. Yeah. Like, and now you want to come into my life and, and, and 
use like material goods to try and show me that you love me like that's not fuck out of here yeah fuck out of here exactly right and he's like he's just like stereotypically black and when i say stereotypically i mean in like the negative connotation of like ghetto and addicted to drugs Mm -hmm. and that's just another energy that one like i'm not as deeply connected to him as my mom but two like it's an energy that i can't afford to put myself around yeah so i haven't talked to him in like a couple years now really yeah well a year yeah i mean um during your your important years was he changing your fucking diapers no no and that's kind of where where it goes to show in um I see uh, shit. My um, my little brother and my little sister, who are both mixed, not my mom's kids. They've been in my mom's life their entire life, um, literally. Um, we were the ones changing their diapers. They haven't had their moms in their life, mm-hmm. and um, it's kind of on the flip side, male female. But at the same time, you learn to realize that the decisions you make on a daily basis are what raise you on a daily basis. After you get to a certain point in life, a certain age mainly, um, dude, your maturity is going to blossom or it's not. Mm -hmm. So it's the decisions we make. Like, dude, I'm very, like, very impressed by what you're doing right now um, professionally. Like, dude, that's fucking dope. I told you what my uncles do and what my family, um, all my entire family were either plumbers or electricians. Mm-hmm. That's what made up my the guys in my family. And it was um, the trades were the, the coup d'etat um, because you go down the, the root system of our all of our buildings, everything, bro. The trades are everything. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why stonemasons ran amok back in the day. Still to this day, mm-hmm. they kill it because it's so important the trades are. And to have you making decisions like that without a father figure just goes to show, one, that your mom did do something, and two, that you are willing to make the tough and right and correct decisions. That's not what I want to do, though. Bro, well, what? But the thing <laughs> is, it doesn't matter. You're right. It's a skill that is going to get you by that is no one will ever be able to take that from you. Right. So that should be a feather in your cap treated as such. As well as um, understand that people like myself, I'm envious of that. I wish I could do that. Get my drift? Mm-hmm. So don't take it lightly. And yeah, you might not want to do it, but guess what? <laughs> that is a career path that people make very lucrative livings doing. Very. Mm-hmm. And it is something where shit, all my, my cousins teach um, on Tuesdays and Thursdays at the electrician's union hall, my uncle's the president. You know what I'm saying? Like, like if you ever need anything and you want to come to a city that has $3.6 billion coming to it in infrastructure mm-hmm. and commerce, I got you. Dope. You can shine. Literally, pun intended, we'll fucking pull the string, we'll the light the bulb goes up. off because <laughs> of you. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Right. No doubt. Like, um, I just just know that, like, dude, the six degrees of separation just closed in four degrees just by knowing me. Right. And I don't say that egotistically. I say that because no, I know for a fact. You I've know, seen your fucking. We, I don't know the. We can get you everywhere. Network, but I know you're chilling with 
Dennis McKenna and Theo Vaughn and oh and pulling pulling Gary V into town. You know what I'm saying? Like, I give a mean hand job. <laughs> that'll mean hand job. that'll no doubt help in any regard with dealing when dealing with a male. Yeah, giving mean hand jobs. <laughs> giving mean hand jobs, dude, for sure. Let's cut this shit off. Okay, cool. I appreciate you, bro. I appreciate it. I just want to let you know, thanks for coming down. Um, thanks for giving me the time. Uh, blessed to know people like you, as well as being able to um share my story with you and your listeners. Provide value. Yes. Yeah. It's yes. Not, yeah. It's your story, but it's valuable. Thank you. Know? You. you know what's crazy to think about is there's like well, like eight billion different people in the world. Yeah. And that's eight billion different realities. You know what I'm saying? Because everyone has their own fucking perspective and their own story that they tell themselves. So like that, that's my, that's just what I'm after right now is those not, maybe not eight billion. That might be unrealistic, but like sharing those stories and those perspectives that are unique to every individual. Should we, should we blow the mind a little bit more? Okay. What if every single night when we dream, we all connect and party with one another consciousness yeah a shared experience yes that might be like some for the next conversation because i've got a lot to think about that because specifically that question of uh like intuition and source Mm -hmm. like to me you are grabbing from that shared consciousness okay now you gotta my wife she just got back she's doing it it say it was a holiday yesterday honey say it just like that too <laughs> she goes dang it for real sad garbage can right back inside she's gonna come in laughing her ass off bro <laughs> my wife is a tough nut to crack but just you doing that right there just made you one of her favorite i promise you that Ooh, i like that yeah fucking brownie points bro like it's always good to get brownie points with my wife not because my wife lets me get away with murder she lets me fly all, all over the world i get to do whatever the fuck i want um, to the point my homies are envious of my life situation, but at the same time, like happy wife, happy life is no joke, dude. Like keeping your wife just like on par with whatever the fuck she wants. And I don't mean, I don't mean, um, like slaving yourself, but I mean like sacrificing bro, make them happy dog. Yeah. Because eventually when you, um, uh, kind of get to an age where it's time to settle down, like that's where you're going to start looking for um it's a, it's important to avoid looking for your mother in who you're going to um lay roost with right. um don't don't date your mother it's very important don't date your mother and that's a mistake that a lot of um males from single parent households do so when you say i'm curious now like when you say cuz i just ended a relationship okay uh it's like going on 4 years yeah when you say don't date your mother, do you say someone that like embodies characteristics that your mom yeah. embodies yeah. or like someone that acts like your mom? Both. Okay. Both. Like not like not like my mom specifically, but acts like a mom, I suppose. Um that's they're always going to act like a mom because okay. that's in their DNA. That's they why are I need a mother. clarification. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. Um embodies your mother in regards to maybe a codependency. Um, in regards to not holding you accountable yeah. or whatever your mom embodies, that's the fucked up part of her. That's oftentimes what we look for in um, our relationships mm-hmm. because that's what we've been used to. Right. And it's a very dangerous place to be. I see it vice versa. Daddy issues. 
That's why fucking all these Instagram models go date the daddy they ran ran from. Yeah. In a nutshell. That's where toxic relationships come from. Uh-huh. Like th- those specific scenarios, I feel like yeah. when you're looking for like your mom or your dad and somebody. Yeah. Dude, we're hitting so much gold in this episode. Yeah, we're talking about a lot. I don't know how many episodes you've done. Dude, I've recorded like 12, but this is going to be the second one that I put out. Really? So, yeah. You really got to push this one, man, because I really think it's going to help some people out. Me too. Yeah. We touch on a lot of things that I think are just going to like intrigue thought for any individual. And it's just cool to, or intrigue, provoke thought. I think it's cool to provoke thought in somebody and just like expand one's consciousness and experience just like through listening to conversations that we have. Yeah. That's nuts. Fuck yeah, dude. Let's go smoke some toad. Yeah, we'll go smoke some pork and some toad. Yo, what's up? This is the outro. Did you did you stick around that entire time? Did you listen to the entirety of that conversation? Dude, if you did, props to you. Shouts out to you. That conversation was nuts, and I hope... I really do hope that, like, provokes some thought within somebody, even if it's just, like, one, two, three people, like, to make you think a little bit. Because, I don't know, it made me think. This this guy, stationary astronaut, Nick, dude, he was just he was just spewing it off. And he has so much energy to give and so much energy to feed off of. I can appreciate that type of presence. So, yo, I'm going to keep I'm going to keep these intros and outros short and sweet and just say thanks for sticking around this this entire time i hope that i hope that was valuable to you and i hope to hear from you i'm just, just trying to get feedback and see what was of, of value to you and what wasn't what whatever just like send me some feedback say what's up make sure to go follow the stationary astronaut on instagram follow me justin gaiman You'll see my name wherever you're listening this to if, like, you came across it random and you don't know me. Give me a follow. Just say what's up. Say something. Just say what's up. Peace out, though. I'm the fuck out of here. Sorry I swore so much in this episode. But goodbye.